The Department of Justice and politics and uh, can can work its way into the judicial system and influence how people are treated. Uh, and that's why we need to get back to how we can stop this from happening to men and women of color. Alrighty, boys and girls, welcome in. Week number, I don't know what week this is now. I've lost count of what yeah, week we it's are. About what five, maybe? Sequestration here. Yeah, yeah. Being being under lock yeah. and key, sort of. I feel like the people on the island and lost. <laughs> I'm looking for the codes. Oh, there's a there's a show I hadn't heard yeah. about in years. I know. All right, this is Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon and David Person. All right, we are uh, we're we're locked down as everybody. This is the only time I get out. Me and me and David keep our uh, our our distance uh, though. We and we come to an empty office building uh, where yeah. there's nobody here, and uh, and there used to be a gallon of hand sanitizer sitting on the table. That's apparently been repossessed Somebody by anthony daniels abs- yes absconded with yeah. our hand sanitizer so i had to bring mine in yeah and so i've uh we're uh but we're here and we're healthy as far as i know uh you know i'm passed all my tests 65s uh <laughs> and uh it's uh say that. Uh, it's uh, the chris rock thing you know it's, it's, yeah you know the chris rock stand up joke. yeah you know he paid, took his say so he took his aids test and passed it got a 65 <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah, the original like the original chris rock stand up there but um oh, okay yeah so but listen we're uh we're happy to be here and uh you know things could be worse Things could uh, could they be could worse. They could be much worse. But we're going to have a, a pretty good show. We got uh, former Governor Don Siegelman on today, and uh, he's going to the Don. Know, yeah, the that's Don. right. Yeah, and he's going to talk about uh, several things. He's got a new book uh, that is uh, that is out. It is um, uh, it's number one in some of those. Am- it's you know am- when you when you place a book on Amazon, there are like a bunch of different categories, yeah. and so it's number one in like state government. Uh, law and mm. something other category that, that that is there, but so but it's a you know I got a copy and it's a it's a fine book. I've read I've read some of it. I uh, haven't uh, got through all of it. You know I've been a little busy uh, watching Fancy Nancy at my house. Um, yeah, you, but, try, you got a, you're running a daycare. Is <laughs> that what you're doing? You and your wife? You got a, yeah, we oh, got, uh, got a daycare for uh, the two year old. Yeah, we're getting we're at a daycare and uh, we're we're not getting any of that state funding. Uh, <laughs> we'd like to get a little something from the feds for that daycare we are running there. But uh, it's uh, you know it, we'll we'll have a good time with it. He's going to discuss you know he was in a federal prison in Louisiana that that's now having a bunch of problems with uh, with the COVID. Uh, and I have which one was he? What 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 federal prison was that? I can't remember, but. It's, I was, it's not the most notorious, but it wasn't parchment. I don't. I don't. No, think like, parchment so. is Mississippi. Right? Yeah, parchment's Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a notorious prison there. I can't. Re- well, he'll tell us. Yeah, he'll yeah, he'll, he'll, yeah. We, we could guess. I mean, you know, <laughs> whenever I think of uh, the federal prison in Louisiana, I always want to say it's Pelican Bay. And then it gets me to, but it's not. That's in California, uh, right? Because right, you know, right. Denzel, I'm gonna send all of you to Pelican Bay. Now, what movie is that from? What the uh, the one he won the Oscar for? Uh, him and um, 
Oh man, it's it's uh, you know he's the cop. He's the crooked oh, training cop. Day? Training day, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Scene. Yeah, okay. yeah. You're I at the watched, end, at the I very end. That. I just watched that too, not too long ago. Doing, uh, you know, have you doing something in Pelican Bay? That's uh, <laughs> apparently that I'm a... watching too many movies these days. I don't. Well, you just have a better memory than I do. Yeah. I, I just watched well, that movie again. We did Boy, determine you're pretty old. Last evil, show. And I am. And I am pretty old. And I, and I, I have an old man's memory. Uh, Denzel was pretty evil in that movie. Yeah. That I do remember. Yeah. King Kong. He was something else, man. Uh, but, yeah, so listen, uh, what what do we wanted to open up here with today yeah. is, uh, and I wrote a little bit about this today in the Alabama Political Reporter. You can... Uh, Find that online, whatever, wherever you go online. Um, uh, It's about the, you know, I think everybody at this point, uh, anybody with basic common sense understands here. And and honestly, this is not a Republican uh, Democratic sort of stance at this point. I think there are many, many Republicans at this point that that have looked at the response at both the federal level and the state level and thought, and and now are uh, firmly of the belief that it has been an utter disaster. Uh, Watching Trump give those daily press conferences is just such a clown show. Uh, I mean, it is. uh, uh, I can't watch. I just don't. Yeah, I stopped watching them about a week ago oh, and and i just can't do it anymore i follow along on, on twitter every now and then but i can only do that for about 30 minutes yeah, I mean, and to me it's a waste of time what he's doing is he, lying he's up there lying and then he's also up there you know getting his jones for mm-hmm. uh you know uh being being in front of people mm-hmm. and cavorting around yeah. that's what he does yeah it's i mean he, know, he's always a, talked about how it's great ratings and it's good for him right. and it's just it's a damn yeah, about uh, whether or not the ratings are good. he does Ratings? Yeah, I know he does, and, and and he thinks it's it's replacing the the rallies that he's no longer able to do. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, and, exactly. And that's that's what exactly. it is. Is exactly. is a mini rally? He gets for him. off. And, this is the way he gets off yeah. every day. Let and some put it crudely and bluntly, yeah. that's what he's doing. Yeah, he is self gratifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as Nick Saban would say, a lot of self gratification going on there. Yeah, uh, but uh, the um, uh, you know, uh, but the state response really. Um, and just kind of looking at at where we are uh, here now, and and watching how this is unfolding. You know, I put a uh, I put a little meme of of K. Ivy on on Facebook oh. the other day. The uh, it had the what you ordered on Wish versus what you got, uh, and it was the first picture was what you ordered was Queen Elizabeth, and what you got was K. Ivy. <laughs> yeah. But the thing of it is, is it it is. Uh, but that's what I do. Uh, but the it it took off. With and I mean, I I know some of my some of the friends that I have, and I know their beliefs. And I've had these arguments with mm-hmm. them about about government and things. They were killing her, mm-hmm. and and it was it is they have turned, and, and there is polling that shows that now just how bad this has been, especially in the suburbs where a lot of people are either doctors and nurses mm. or are friends with doctors and nurses who are on the front lines of this and have told them, oh, hell no, do not believe this nonsense. Mm. This is what's happening where I am over mm. here. And all of these media reports that you keep saying are fake news, they are 100% true media reports. These are the things that are co- that are causing us problems. And what I'm scared to death of every night and but you know i think it gets to a bigger issue if we if we look at 
what is what's taking place here and and Kay Ivey is is going to take the brunt of this thing uh and you know rightfully Which deservedly why your boy is distancing himself exactly yeah well i mean you know ainsworth is like well, you know he wants to be the next governor oh so, yeah so that's part of it but but you know what i mean and and that's true and i, I think that that's that's a certainly a reasonable thing to say about about will is that that he wants to be the governor so that's why he's doing this He's probably going to be the governor anyway. You know what I mean? Well, no, 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 no. I understand what at, you're saying. At some point, and, and, and I'm not suggesting that what he's saying isn't true, but I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm just pointing out the obvious. Yeah, he's doing it because he understands it's a farce, but also because he wants to be the next governor. I can, he I can tell you, tainted by this. I can tell you that I don't think, I don't think Will thought that far. <laughs> He's not a he's not a big uh, big down the road thinker. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It he got mad. He got mad. He got mad because that that they weren't listening to him and they weren't listening to his advice. They had kind of brushed him aside. Uh, They had brushed him off. They had ignored things that were coming from his people and his side of things. And in a spur of the moment, anger, he he sent this out. Now, all of the things since then could it could that be exactly what you say? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And once it once it landed on the on the thing there, uh, I don't doubt for a second it, he thought, well, hell, well, pretty I mean, good. Even, and I mean, not to make this, you know, again, I know we we're, we're supposed to be talking about Ivy, not, mm-hmm. not Ainsworth, but um, you know, even this thing he's come up with with the ringing of the bell mm-hmm. he wants to do. Uh, on Easter Sunday, yeah, I mean that's I know. you know I mean it's a harmless thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blast him over that. It's harmless, but I think again, this is Ainsworth saying, I'm going to do what the governor of the state is not doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come up with creative ways, and I give it to him. It's a creative thing, mm-hmm. you know. It's uh, it it appeals to the sensibilities mm-hmm. of most of our nearly 5 million people in our state because most are going to church. Yeah. You know, and I kind of got on Ivy a little bit for that. Uh, and, so, and so I'll do the same thing for, for Ainsworth. Here. Are you talking it's, about with the, with the scriptures? Yeah. The no, no. The, the, the thing, oh, yes, uh, the ribbon, to tie the ribbon, the, oh, uh, the, the to, ribbon. to remember to pray for the healthcare workers. You know what? I'll pray for them. Send them some stuff. Well, you know? They much, they'd much prefer that, I yeah. think. Uh, well, at least they'd certainly Listen, be much more... Pray, pray, yeah. pray all you want to pray. Yeah. Okay, pray, pray, pray away, sure. pray, pray it away. Okay, yeah. I, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not putting you down for right. praying. Okay, right. and that's not the point of this. All right? right, but that's not a policy. Right, that's not a, that's not, that, that's not helping right. really what and, the situation. And there's too much of that, quite honestly. You know, as a church going person, I can say this unequivocally. There's too much of that. We're gonna pray for you, and then that's all we do. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't do anything else. Yeah, I you hope, know, we you know, thoughts and prayers. There, we don't put our energy. Exactly. Yeah. The old thoughts and prayers thing. Now, we need to do more than think and pray for you, think about you and pray for you. We need to put some resources, energy behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I, it's just a, to me, though, it, it kind of highlights, and that's what I wrote today, is that this highlights what has gone on in this state for the last at least 10 years, if not longer than that. Longer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, longer. Uh, it just is a, uh, you, you look around at what's happened. Look at the Alabama Department of Public Health. They're underfunded, understaffed. 
Uh, look at Alabama Department of Labor, unfunded, understaffed. Alabama Department of Revenue, unfunded, understaffed. Can't get any, can't get your tax returns back. Uh, can't or your tax refund checks back. Uh, Department of Labor can't process all the unemployment claims. I understand there's a lot, there's a ton of them flowing in here yeah. right now, but that damn website's been crashed now for three weeks. All right, yeah. uh, the um, uh, yeah, and they're telling people to get on online at three o'clock in the morning if they can do it. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it you know the Department of Public Health are being lapped by the folks in Louisiana and Mississippi. You know, I mean. Mm-hmm. That, that's what ha- this is what happens when you when you set things up like the, the Department of Public Health, the Department of Labor, Department of Revenue. These things have a purpose. That's the reason why we pass them. That's the reason why we put them in place. And so if you don't properly fund them and put people in positions there to do the job, then you're going to have a failure when you most need them. And right now is when we most need them. And right now you see the failure of Republican governance. All right. Well, and, I, and I'm going to take it even back a little further. And I think you're exactly right, Josh. I'm going to take it back further. Ronald Reagan, the the you know the 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 highly you know savior, revered yeah. you know Republican icon, is the one who started this this uh, you know this this very critical dismissive uh, talk language uh, about government. Mm-hmm. You know he did this what forty years ago, just about mm-hmm. or something close to that, and and so Republicans started hanging their hat on that. You know, government is not the solution; government is the problem. And that has permeated mm-hmm. the, the the conservative ecosystem, the GOP ecosystem, yeah. and yet, and yet these same people continue to run for office. I've always thought that was asinine. I, You're telling me government is the problem. Yeah. Then why the hell yeah. are you running for yeah. office? Rand Rand Paul, you know? Rand Paul, uh, Mo Brooks. Yeah. We can name yeah. a bunch of. I know it's a. You know we nonsense. can name a bunch of. Them. It's and, nonsense. And and the the whole premise of that Reagan concept was phony to begin with. The only sure. reason he was able to do any of that and have any of the success he had is because he had uh, a, a surplus there that was left behind uh, by Democrats and that he ran through and ran up the debt and had to raise taxes twelve different times and able to float what he was doing in the stock market. But regardless, um, but just the but, but just the the asinine logic. Yeah, I understand. I understand. And, Exactly and what so, you mean. And so then they bring that mentality, you know, that Ayn Rand, you know, uh, uh, um, Paul, uh, what's his name? You just said his name, uh, Paul, Rand, Rand Paul. Paul. Yeah. And who was the guy, um, the other uh, Ayn Rand? Uh, uh, oh, well, you, uh, you're uh, talking about the, uh, the former speaker of the Wisconsin, House. Wisconsin, Paul. Yeah, uh, Paul something. Paul Ryan. Yeah. Is that his name? Okay. Uh, he's been so long yeah. and he's been so discredited. But, you know, that guy, um, you know, they bring that mentality to government, cutting and slashing in every possible way, the, the, the very infrastructure of government mm-hmm. that helps, uh, you know, unless it's something that's going to, you know, funnel money back to the corporations. Yep. That's exactly how it is. That's a, that's 100 percent the way that it is. And, they, and you know, on the state level, uh, you know, it is such a... It's been such a failure. I mean, it is. It look around at what's going on here, and and you know they have they have hidden their failures year after year after year uh, with pandering nonsense like the you know the the prayer in schools or the Confederate monuments or, or same abortion sex or same sex marriage yeah, or yeah. every year it's some nonsense that mostly has zero effect on your life. That's right. Zero effect on your That's life. Right. And the things that do matter, these people are out here voting against uh, because of that nonsense over there. Mm-hmm. And, and they're continuing to vote people in 
into office who do these sort of ridiculous things and say these ridiculous things and tell you that, well, we're saving you tax dollars. So they can put out a press release every year. They've cut the funding to all of these things that now we desperately need. That's you right. know, uh, just like last year when Arthur Orr uh, ran, uh, did the whole thing with the, the unemployment weeks and reduced them by basically half. Oh, because what sort of thing could ever come along where you'd need that many weeks of unemployment and couldn't find a job in this great economy? Hello. You know, yeah, you know what? It's not there for every day, man. Right. It's there. Right. And it's this, insurance. And this is the other thing about it is is always expecting the worst out of people. Always seeing the worst in people that you don't understand and who you never spend any time with there. It, it is, you know, you know, maybe what point zero one percent of the population is out there not wanting to work and want to take a government check somewhere. Right. Right. You know, I mean, nobody wants to live in squalor. Nobody. I don't know anybody who does. No, everybody wants to do the same thing. They want to get a decent job for a decent wage, feed their family, not have to worry about bills every damn night. That's, That's all right. everybody That's wants. Right. Every right. single person basically wants that. That's right. I think quarantine's got me angry. Well, I was going to say, I think both of us probably need to take uh, some heart medicine or something. We worked up a real uh, frenzy of anger and outrage here. Well, it's 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 hard to see the same people get screwed time and yes, time again, and that's exactly what's happening right now. You see the statistics with a uh, with the number of, of of black people in Alabama uh, that are disproportionately dying from this disease yeah, uh, and black this virus. Everywhere, really, yeah. not just in Alabama, but across yes. the country. Uh, and, and you know why? You know why that's happening? You sure. know because the higher levels of poverty are there. They're not going out and getting the health care that they yeah. need because it hadn't been provided for them. And so there are a ton of underlying conditions. And comorbidities that, that many of us believe go back to Jim Crow and mm-hmm. even slavery. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, it, but again, there's no, and you ask these people again, what's the, just, just for a basic plan for testing people in the black belt. And, and we're, we're how, how long into this? And they They're still don't have a plan. their butts. They still don't still have a plan. Still trying to figure it out. All right, we're going to leave, and we'll try to get calmed down before we call Don Siegelman, so maybe we're not screaming at him. <laughs> so we don't unleash our anger yeah. on the former governor. At this point, I think if there's anybody who could take it, it's probably Don Siegelman at this point. So. After what he's been through. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back in Alabama Politics this week. This is uh, Josh Moon, David Person. And yep. We are uh, happy uh, to be joined now by former Alabama Governor Don Siegelman. Uh, and I guess at this point, uh, Governor, we should we should probably introduce you as uh, as a best-selling author uh, with, with a new book out, uh, Stealing Democracy. It's uh, it really is a a good. I'm about halfway through it, and so it's a it's a it's a good book. Well, thank you. It's it's actually trending number one on new release is on Amazon now. So uh, it's been bouncing around from one to 11, but this is back up to number one. So I'm, I'm, you know, they get, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of books. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we're so far so good. We're working. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know whether that means uh, we've, we've sold two books or what. (laughs) (laughs) So so the, so the royalties haven't started coming in yet. The the big checks haven't started rolling in. Yeah. Well, that'll never happen. But uh, what I do hope, uh, I do hope that uh, the book 
uh, is widely read so that I can gain the credibility that I need to stand before the House Judiciary Committee and argue for changes in our criminal justice system. I, I, I had a lot of time, obviously, had five years to learn about uh, the criminal justice system. But, you know, when I was, when I was convicted um, of something that I knew had never happened, I started to reflect on some of the cases that I presided over as attorney general. And, um, you know, it really troubled me that, um, you know, not just that I had been convicted of something that had never happened, but I realized then that, you know, there were a lot of people in prison and in jails across the country who had met a similar fate. And when I was in prison, I had the opportunity to, I was working and writing, um, uh, writing petitions, motions, briefs for other inmates. And as I went through their stories, a, a pattern started to develop. And the more I dug into it, uh, the more I realized that there was, uh, there was more than a flaw. Uh, there was something that was built into the system that uh, provided prosecutors with uh, uh, almost like uh, card reading in Vegas or, or inside information that uh, members of Congress get before they buy their stocks or sell their stocks. And I'll give you an idea that the government, the government gets 99% of all of the indictments they seek. Now that 99% is a pretty good, uh, pretty good record. If you could go to uh, Las Vegas and have those odds, you'd be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I'd say that's right. I, there, there's a reason that the government gets 99% of all the indictments they seek. Uh, and let me, uh, let me sort of give you an overview. Uh, this is not going to be pleasant, and people aren't going to want to hear this, particularly Democrats. But in on January the 4th, 2010, President Obama sent his lawyer, Elena Kagan, who was Solicitor General, to the United States Supreme Court to make the following argument, quote, U.S. citizens do not have a constitutional right not to be framed, end of quotes. According to David Savage, who was there, he's the Los Angeles Times legal correspondent working out of DC. The, um, the case involved two African-Americans who had spent 25 years in prison for a crime they did not commit. They were suing the investigators, the police, the prosecutors, uh, the county and the state of Iowa uh, for their false uh, imprisonment. Mm -hmm. And it came down to a, a, a witness who uh, had, been, had been bribed by the prosecutors, basically. He said that they offered him a reduced sentence if he would identify these two African-Americans as the person, as the people who committed the crime instead of a white guy. Uh, he, there was a deal he, he couldn't pass up because he was facing you know, time in prison, and he basically 
uh, lied on the stand and sent these people to prison. So the, why, how does this happen? Because it happened to me. And, and uh, I mean, Steve Fager, the US, one of the U.S. attorneys who, who uh, presided over the grand jury in 1994, and Matt Hart, the other prosecutor, both participated in, in suborning testimony, getting people to say things that were not true in order to secure an indictment against me. Why does, why did the, gov why does the government get 99%? Because in, a, in the secrecy of a grand jury, and I say secrecy because no one is there except for the prosecutor and the grand jurors. There is no judge and there's no lawyer for the, for the uh, witness or for the, uh, for the target. And so prosecutors can withhold exculpatory evidence and they can present willfully and intentionally false testimony. All right, let me, this isn't just Don Sergelman talking. This is not just stuff in my book, but the chief judge of the ninth Judicial Circuit Court of Appeals, Alex Brzezinski, stated that prosecutions, prosecutorial withholding of exculpatory evidence was, quote, epidemic in America. Mm -hmm. And the reason why prosecutors can get away with presenting false evidence or, or eliciting false testimony by pressuring, cajoling, threatening, or bribing a witness to say things that, is, that are not true is because the Federal Torts Claims Act, a, a, a act passed by Congress, gives absolute immunity to prosecutors to do whatever they need to do to get a conviction. You know, Governor, if I can interject something here, what you're, what you're talking about, and I appreciate your candor and the depth of your analysis, but what you're talking about is not new to those of us in the black community who have been watching this happen mm. with corrupt prosecutors and, and corrupt you know, police departments literally, literally for decades. For decades, we've been watching this happen. So this is everything you're saying, you know, is right on point, And I know it because as a reporter and as a producer and as a media personality in the state, I've interviewed many people. I've done a lot of research. It is not new. Uh, all right, David, you'll appreciate this, too. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you about two phone calls I received right after I uh, Right. Well, anyway, I was I was with my lawyers waiting for the jury to return a verdict. And um, as we were driving back to the courthouse to get the verdict, I got a phone call and it was on my cell phone. And it was Judge Roy Moore, chief judge. And he mm -hmm. said, Governor, I just want you to know my prayers are with you because we have we have common enemies. He he was a, he he was he, he and I have there are some common enemies, but Carl Rove and. Bill Pryor and some others, uh, Bob Riley. But anyway, that being what it is, that was one phone call. It was a surprise. And after my verdict came in and they announced that I was, <laughs> they, the jury had found me guilty, I got another phone call from Hank Sanders. And Senator Sanders said, Governor, now you know how black folks feel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, the men and women of, of color particularly uh, over overpopulate America's prisons and jails, 
and it, you know obviously it's it's no accident that, that it happens that way and you you know that i know you know why that happens but it shouldn't happen and so you know what i have devoted myself to and what i intend to devote myself to as soon as this book catches on and gives me the credibility to do so i want to change the justice system so that uh, those that are most vulnerable uh, have a fair shot and have a fair trial what good does it do for the united states government to say that after uh, that you're entitled to a lawyer after you after you're indicted or after you've pled guilty not if the if the government gets 99 percent of the indictments they seek and something like uh over 97 percent of them plead guilty uh, over 60 percent plead guilty before they get a lawyer what good does it do to give somebody a lawyer if they've already been indicted and they've already pled guilty um you know that it is indisputable that the grand jury proceeding is a critical stage of the criminal process if we're going to provide some kind of protection for citizens two things have to happen one we have to we have to uh, repudiate what was argued in the united states supreme court in 2010 that u.s citizens do not have a constitutional right not to be framed, but we also have to change the grand jury process. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to change it in three ways. First, we have to provide that any target or, or, or witness going before a grand jury uh, has the right to counsel so that those lawyers can object to what they believe to be or what they anticipate to be false evidence or, or false testimony those objections would be handled the same way objections are handled in a civil deposition they go to a magistrate a judge and the judge says yes you can introduce that yes you can get this testimony in or no you can't simple process we do it every day in, in civil depositions we ought to be doing it where it counts even more when someone's freedom is at stake so People are, should be entitled to a lawyer at that stage. The second thing we need to do is something that Obama, President Obama suggested when he was in the, uh, in the Senate. And that is that every recording of any witness, any interview of a witness or a target should be recorded and those recordings should be provided to the defense. That would do two things. One, it would give the defense evidence of how a witnesses' testimony had morphed or changed over time, but more importantly, it would serve as a deterrent to prosecutors because they would be less likely to try to extort or to bribe or to threaten, um, cajole a, a witness to lie. Sure. In my case, in this book that I've written, Stealing Our Democracy, is not, it, yes, it tells a story about uh, you know, about my case and how it happened and by whom, but this is more about a process uh, so that I hope that by people reading this book, they too will become educated about the flaws in our justice system and will support the kind of changes. I think that they will not only support it, I think they will demand it because they will know that if their child or their relative 
or either of you two get pulled over for a half ounce of marijuana or more, that you'd be facing a felony charge. Mm-hmm. You know what? And it, if you don't have the right to counsel before you, before it's presented to a grand jury, then your reputation is smeared. You're at a disadvantage. When you when you start to un, try to unravel an indictment, it's a heck of a lot more complicated. When when you then you then find yourselves yourself in a federal court before a federal judge and a jury. And you're trying to explain to the jury why you should not have been indicted in the first place. My case, we the, the United States Department of Justice admitted in writing that Matt Hart was in email communication with Bob Riley's son, Rob Riley, his campaign manager, as far back as the year 2000, December of 2002, giving him updates on the U.S. attorney's investigation into my case. Mm. Matt Hart, who worked for Bill Pryor, who was Carl Rove's client, was giving email updates to Rob Riley during this whole process. Yeah, you know, I... I covered that, you know, that uh, your, your case, and I've written a whole lot of stuff about it and, uh, and the documentary uh, that, that is out there uh, that, that, that chronicled this whole thing and the whole setup, uh, you know, Atticus versus the Architects, the name of the documentary. And I'd encourage anybody to, to kind of seek that out as well because it is a um, – uh, it, it's, it's, it's something that, that – one of those documentaries you walk away from angry. Uh, you know, and and once you see kind of how things unfolded, and and believe me, I've uh, I've gotten a, a lot of pushback on some of the things that I've written. Uh, they you know they they threatened to sue me a number of different times uh, for things of the canaries I'm surprised in particular. You haven't been indicted for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're worried about what I write. Yeah, I want to say thank you for for defending truth and justice. Well, it's you know it, it, it is a uh, you look at something and you and you see what what's right and what's wrong a lot of times and and, and that's all it uh, it's kind of kind of the same way that I used to tell uh, Milton McGregor is that you know I I didn't I didn't write this stuff because he and I were friends I wrote it because it was the right thing uh, you know and, and mm. it's the same way here I didn't you know I, I didn't necessarily do you a favor I just wrote it because it was the right thing to write uh, you know and uh, but it was you know that this whole situation. Uh, is is just the oddest, um, most despicable kind of a story that I, I've ever really encountered. Uh, to watch how this all played out and the political uh, nature of indictments, and and I don't care who you are, what side of the aisle you're on. If you're okay with a political indictment and a political prosecution of somebody, uh, then you're asking for that to happen to you and to your people down the road uh, here, because that's that's then going to be weaponized, and that's that's something we can't stand in this country. Let me let me. Uh, <laughs> let me refer to, the, to my book jacket. Uh, the back of uh, Stealing Our Democracy, there are three pictures uh, you may have noted. One is Jeff Sessions, one is Donald Trump, and one is Karl Rove. Well, there's a reason for all three. Uh, you mentioned one, the, the abuse of power and the, the weaponizing of the Department of Justice. And if you the reason why Donald, Donald Trump's on there for a couple of reasons. One, because in, in my book, uh, while I was in prison, I'd, his rhetoric reminded me so much of George Wallace uh, that I wrote yeah. a chapter about that. And there was 
there's another chapter about Donald Trump being the Southern white boys candidate. And, and mm. there's a gang, there's a gang, uh, I shouldn't say gang, but there are a group of guys in prison that, that are Southern white boys. And uh, a lot of them have Confederate flag tattoos. Some, you know, go further and, and are probably white supremacists. And, but there was this one guy, he was a really decent guy. He was quiet. He always watched the news with me. We, the only news we could watch in prison, by the way, was Fox. That was the only channel that was there. So we're sitting there watching uh, late night news, and uh, Johnny was sitting behind me to the right in his usual spot. And um, after Trump finished, and I'm not sure whether it was when David Duke endorsed him or whether it was over the Confederate flag in Carolina, whether it was the, you know, what Donald Trump said about the Mexicans, but he said something that, that just made me freeze. He said, we, we finally have a candidate of our own. And I turned around because I knew, I knew where Johnny's prejudices were. And I said, what did you say? He said, we finally have a candidate that we can support. We have one, one of our own. And that's, that gave me the, the, impetus to write that chapter on Trump being Southern white boys candidate. But the um, if you do not believe that the Department of Justice can be manipulated, let me say this, if you don't believe that the Department of Justice was weaponized to go come after me, that we have sworn testimony from a whistleblower that it was, but if you don't believe that the Department of Justice can be manipulated for political purposes, as I say in my book, let me call Donald Trump as my first witness. He fired James Comey to stop the Russian yeah. collusion investigation. He fired Sally Yates, who followed, uh, you know, she was part of the Obama administration. He, he fired uh, Andrew McCabe. He hired Jeff Sessions, another Southern white boy, and uh, and then fired Sessions because he wouldn't wouldn't defend Trump against the investigation and the impeachment, which was, you know, about to proceed. Then he hires Bill Barr, who will do anything to protect, <laughs> to protect Donald Trump. So, you know, and, and what we learned from the impeachment trial of Donald Trump is, is, is rather shocking. All right, let me, let me juxtapose my situation. I was convicted of a, of a, of an implicit and inferred quid pro quo, mm -hmm. you know, in, where I, supposedly uh, I had offered Richard Scrooge a seat on the CON board in exchange for a contribution to the Alabama Lottery Foundation to support ads to convince people to vote for the for the lottery, so kids could go to college for free and we could have universal pre K education. Right, yeah, a good personal going into your personal bank account. Yeah, right? there wasn't a penny. There was no benefit, no financial gain, no no uh, uh, self enrichment scheme. Then yeah, none of that. Uh, there was no quid pro quo, no evidence of a quid pro quo, much less an express one. Now look at what we knew about Donald Trump in the impeachment. We have Donald Trump saying to the president of the Ukraine, "You can have the, the military support money." If you'll investigate Joe Biden. Right. I need a favor. It's an express quid pro quo. Mm -hmm. The United States Senate, the Republicans, said, ah, that's not enough. You know, well, well, it, for 100 years, bribery had been 
you know, if you if you swap an official action for something of personal benefit, that's bribery. But you know, they stretched it in my case to find a conviction, uh, saying yeah, it, that a contribution to the lottery can be can, could be considered a thing of value to me because I supported the lottery, and then you know passed it up with Trump. So the Department of Justice and politics and uh, can can work its way into the judicial system and influence how people are treated. Uh, and that's why we need to get back to how we can stop this from happening to men and women of color. Really would be remiss if we didn't ask you about uh, the situation uh, with, with COVID-19 coronavirus in our in our federal prisons or in our prison system in general and the vulnerability that, that, that are there uh, among that group of people and, and kind of your experience going through that. And uh, if, if we got about two minutes left here, if you, if you could, uh, just kind of, do you have any thoughts on that? I have, I have a lot of thoughts. I mean, it may be something for another show, but, uh, you know, the, the federal prison in Oakdale has been described as the epic center of uh, the coronavirus, ground zero. Mm-hmm. Of the eight inmates who died as of yesterday, five of them were at the prison where I lived for five years. So I've, I've got a lot to say about uh, Oakdale and, and jails and prison in general. But in a nutshell, you know, we now have the United States Congress and even Bill Barr calling for the early release of, of inmates who pose no safety risk for the public, nonviolent, first-time offenders, elderly people with physical conditions that make them vulnerable to coronavirus. And my, my position is, why are they in prison in the first place? You know, get right. them out of the jails if they're there on a parole violation. Uh, if they can't pay a fine, who cares? You're going to save money by getting them out of jail anyway. So, um, but the living conditions at Oakdale, as well as in jails and prisons across the state and country, are such that uh, these people are uh, are in a dangerous situation. It's going to it, the virus affecting these people is like fleas jumping on a dog uh, because mm-hmm. they're so close. They're so close together. They cannot physically separate themselves from. Uh, someone who's less than three feet away, who's coughing or has fever. Uh, and, you know, so it is it is an incredibly dangerous situation. I'm afraid we haven't seen the, the worst of this in our prisons and jails yeah. yet. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a terrible situation. I, well, I mean, and, and everything that we've we've kind of talked about is uh, has been a terrible situation. Uh, you know, just uh, you know, from uh, what happened to you and what's what's going on in our in our justice system, and and now what's happening current day in our prisons. And uh, but you know, I, I think as long as we have some folks out there willing to stand up and willing to fight for it, then we got a chance. Uh, and so I I do appreciate you for what you what you've done and what you're trying to do uh, here now. And uh, and and we really appreciate the time. I know we kept you a little longer than we said we were going to, but I really appreciate you hanging around with us and being able to be flexible and get in here and, and this high tech operation we're running here. <laughs> I have I have a, a great deal of respect for both of you, both David and you, Josh, and and uh, the guy in the background, Chip, uh, uh, you know, who's, who's helping direct the show. Mm-hmm. But you guys do a great job, and and I appreciate your honesty, your fairness, and again, I appreciate your 
individual fight for truth and justice. Thanks, Governor. Thank you, Governor. That was uh, Governor Don Siegelman joining us uh, here on the show, and uh, we'll be back here in, uh, in just a couple of minutes. Nice interview with uh, Governor Siegelman. You know, we were able to see him on Zoom, and mm-hmm. he um, he looks like he's in pretty good health. Yeah, yeah you know, doing all right uh, for for everything that he's been through. Yeah. And yeah, it's you know, uh, he's got an interesting old. story, man. He's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he wishes it wasn't quite that interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, that I'm telling you, gotta watch that that documentary and uh, and, and just kind of go back and, and and go back through some of the facts of that, that mm. case with him. It's. Uh, it's nuts, man. It's the way they the way they went after him, and uh, uh, yeah. you know, and and the political nature of the whole thing, and um, you know. It, well, when you know that Carl Rove is on one side of an issue, you know yeah. the other side has got to be the right side. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's uh, yeah. what was his name? Turd something. Uh, what did he call him? Bush called, uh, Bush him, called him Turd. Yeah, he did call him something Turd. Turd in there. Turd, turd head or Turd face or turd I don't remember or something. something. Like that. Yeah, he yeah. called him. Yeah, but uh, you know. It, that's just how we uh, how we've mm-hmm. kind of rolled here in this state for a while now, uh, mm-hmm. and and I think it touches on a lot of uh, a lot of issues. Uh, you know, both uh, the political nature of, of some things and, and the way we ignore some issues, and the way we have uh, allowed some things to to go about. Um, just kind of transpiring across the the state in, in our justice system uh, here. Uh, it's kind of kind of odd that Roy Moore was a voice of reason during that uh, well in that one rarely. instance you know, well yeah. you know yeah. a broken clock is right how many times a day yeah, it's true that is true I just uh, and, and he is broken uh, but uh, it's a uh, it's just been a mess you know I mean the, the, the whole thing and, and I you know, last week's show was so upbeat. I, uh, I wish this week's show was was as upbeat, uh, but it's just. But, but I love the fact. You know what I applaud the former governor for with this really is that he is speaking to the reality that we in the black community are all too familiar with, mm-hmm. and that is. And this is not an indictment of all prosecutors, mm-hmm. but there is absolutely it is absolutely unequivocally undeniable that corrupt prosecutors and corrupt law enforcement people have been responsible Mm -hmm. for the convictions and incarceration of innocent people, and they've known it. Mm -hmm. They've known it. We've talked about Anthony Ray Henson on here. He's a great example. But there are plenty of others. This is not unique to Anthony Ray Henson. It's not unique to Alabama. This is a national scandal, as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, the thing that's always gotten me is – uh, you know, and we kind of we went through this uh, during during the recent execution uh, deal. You know, and and great example uh, is the 
the unwillingness. And you wrote well about that, too. I appreciated that, yeah. Uh, but it, it just is the, the unwillingness. I've never understood it. The unwillingness of prosecutors and uh, and people in positions to, to make some, a wrong a right. Yeah. Uh, their, their unwillingness to bend to, to any of this stuff. Because, I mean, it's, it's rare that, that you get a... A situation where there's about to be an execution, and there are so many people outraged by the circumstances of it. You know, there's going to be a certain small number of people who are going to be outraged by an execution regardless. And yeah. I understand that. I, I do. I get that. Uh, and, and I understand that executions are the law, whether we like it or not. And, uh, you know, and so, I, you know, I'm not I'm not say, excusing or saying anything's right or wrong or whatever, but that those are the laws. So I understand these people upholding the law. But at the same time, when you get that, that run of people and, and celebrities and, and and all these different groups coming after this thing, uh, and, and people have looked at the the facts of a case, and they've said, "Wait a damn minute! Wait, what are we doing here? This is not right." Well, you have actually explained it um, in previous podcasts when you've talked about this bubble mm-hmm. that people live in. Yeah. So you know the the bubble that many of these people in live in these vampires like Troy King and Steve Marshall and others who literally feed off of the blood. Mm. The literal blood of these people that they're executing, as far as I'm concerned, they they live in a bubble where there aren't many black people, there aren't many poor people, mm-hmm. and so they don't see they don't see these they don't see an Anthony Ray Henson or 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 some of these other people as being human. Mm-hmm. They really don't. They see them as disposables. They yeah. see them as numbers. Yeah. And in Don Siegelman's case, I think you know it was, um, you know, um, you know, we had Carl Rove and some of these others who saw him as an opportunity. Yeah, they saw him as a political opportunity. They didn't see him as a human being. Yeah, that's not, and that's that's true. And, and they didn't care. Uh, and you know, but you brought up somebody there that 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 has, uh, I think, escaped a lot of mention uh, unfairly. And that is Steve Marshall, uh, our yeah. current AG, yeah. who, who yeah. I believe to be probably the worst AG we've had in, in quite some time. And that's saying and that's something. saying something. That's saying Because I, I would say Troy King in my book is uh, is is pretty doggone bad. Uh, you know, was I, pretty uh, doggone bad. Yeah, Steve Marshall's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, what has gone on in Birmingham? Kind of behind the scenes there, mm-hmm. with uh, you know they issued some orders uh, there, and, and well, in terms almost, of the shelter in place, shelter and all in place that. stuff, yeah. to, mm-hmm. to kind of kind of lock people down. They went above mm-hmm. and beyond. Uh, mm-hmm. Did the same thing in Montgomery, same thing in Mobile. Mm-hmm. So I had some similar things in Huntsville. Although Tommy Battle stopped short of issuing yeah. uh, actual orders, he just kind of advised people to do that because he felt like things were were progressing along okay. Uh, but um, so immediately. When Birmingham issues this order up here, uh, yeah. just a couple of weeks ago, Steve Marshall is on the phone with the city attorney uh, up there mm-hmm. and is upset. He's angry that uh, that the black people of Jefferson County, the leadership, has dared to take a stand right. that is greater uh, than the state stand. And he's telling them they don't have the authority to do it. Well, of course they do. Uh, they've got their own uh, you know, health officer there in the, in the county of Jefferson. And so uh, that gives them the right to do that. Yeah. Uh, and, but, oh, he's, he's very unhappy. And that's the reason he issues this, uh, this vague opinion that comes rolling out. Uh, right after that, because he couldn't do it. See, he couldn't. He couldn't just come right out and say you can't do it. And I'm right. gonna. My opinion is none of these things are enforceable because, of course, they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he set it up to where then 
the governor could come out with her own proclamation, Department of Health proclamation that came comes out uh, the later that week. And at the bottom of that, hidden from you know nobody ever mentioned it. You know the governor went on and on. K. I. went on and on about how if mayors want to implement stricter measures, then they have that take this as as my uh, okay with that. You know, feel free to do whatever you think you need to do to protect your communities. Well, then at the same time, same press conference now, same press conference at the bottom of that proclamation that she issues is. A little line down there that says, uh, by the way, this order supersedes all local orders. And if you want to implement a new order, you got to get permission from the Alabama Department of Public Health. Well, that's, of course, against the law for Jefferson and Mobile, who have their own public health officers. And in the Constitution of this of this great state, which is 8000 pages long, uh, you can uh, they have the right to, to do that. But. I didn't stop Steve Marshall, of course, and and you know, and, and he is the one who has been behind that push for this entire time. And what has really been striking is is that he was very upset with the people in Birmingham. He was very upset with Stephen Reed. Mm-hmm. Issued an opinion, two black just, mayors, yeah, just two in, black just mayors. a couple of hours before saying yeah. that their uh, their order telling people that you cannot have more than ten people in a store was not enforceable because. Uh, it didn't. It didn't comply with the state order, which the state order said you shouldn't gather in more than groups of ten. Mm-hmm. But the state officer had, then had to go and clarify that. Uh, and when he clarified that, of course, it, it made the the order unenforceable from uh, from Mayor Reed down there. At the same time, there was an order from Sandy Stimson down in Mobile, and one from a Jasper mayor up mm-hmm. here that were. They're virtually along the same lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put in a bunch of different places, a bunch of different orders for businesses and, and guidelines they had to follow. Not a word from Steve Marshall. And I, I you know. So the reason well, for I, the hypocrisy is? I, 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 drum roll, please. I, you know, I, it seems to me that there is a, a that he has a, a pretty big problem with some black mayors. Uppity um, black mayors. That's right, yeah. Uppity these, black mayors. Look at these guys doing, you know. And so. It, and and, and, and I think and like I think this. a constituency. It's not just about the mayors. I think that's. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that 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 also is a thorn yeah. put in, them in his side. Place. Uh, sure, yeah, because well, they're uppity. But yeah. it's also I think about not seeing these populations yeah. as being populations that really matter. Yeah, it's a, that's know, what I think. It's a. It is again. There there are two groups. Of they're disposables in both in both Birmingham and Jefferson. There there the those cities. Uh, both Birmingham and Montgomery. Those cities are racially divided cities. Yeah, uh, they have you know they you've set up all these little groups in the suburbs around Birmingham. Now you're mm-hmm. doing the same thing in Montgomery. You set up mm-hmm. all you know, in Prattville and Pike Pike Road and all that. Yeah, Hoover and Vestavia and uh, Mountain Brook and all those you know, mm-hmm. little areas there in Birmingham. So you have two different groups there battling for power, and Steve Marshall is serving one of those groups. Sure, and and it is. To the point of it is it becomes an angry issue for him whenever one of these groups uh, it, led by the black mayors and the black uh, politicians in those cities do anything. Mm-hmm. You know he's on the phone. You know he's he's still filing. Uh, he's still you know still fighting them over the uh, Confederate monument. Still yeah. fighting. Uh, by the way, by the way, which the one thing we should never forget is currently in the midst of a global pandemic. Steve Marshall still is suing the federal government to kill the ACA. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And is proud yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that puts him right in line with the Trump administration, who is still trying to kill it. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, the again, 
there's a population of people about whom they really don't give a damn. They don't. It they just, don't care about poor people. They don't care about people of color. They don't yeah. care about them. Well, you, you know. And, I'm ta- and when I say they, I'm not indicting all Republicans. Sure. I'm talking specifically about the people about whom we're speaking. Well, you the know attorney what? general of the state. We're talking about the president of the United States, and and I'm also talking about generally speaking, mm-hmm. the Repu- the leadership of the Republican Party in this state. Mm-hmm. I uh, think they see these people, they see people in those categories as disposable. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, I know what you're saying when you say I, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not talking about the the Republican Party in general. Well, no, every why? Republican. I'm not talking about every yeah. Republican. Well, why? That's what I'm saying. Why? I mean, well, you're in a party because that, well, that does that is that is doing this. Yeah, well, I think there. I think people. I think there are people that affiliate with with the Republican Party for different reasons, mm-hmm. and um, and I and I mean, quite frankly, I, I, and quite frankly, Josh, there are black Republicans out there, yeah. you know. So there are poor Republicans. There are black Republicans. There are gay Republicans. There are women who are Republicans. All of them who I think affiliate with that party mm-hmm. for reasons of their own that may not speak to. The larger indictment that we're making. But I would say to you mm-hmm. that without question, the reason I don't affiliate with that party mm-hmm. is because of these larger reasons. Mm-hmm. And I don't personally understand why anybody who is in a historically disenfranchised group, mm-hmm. blacks, women, gays, other people of color, people who are poor of of regardless of the race. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why any of them would affiliate with a party that espouses the things that party does and that puts into practice policies mm-hmm. and 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 governmental objectives that they do. I I am I'm, I'm having a harder and harder time giving them a pass. Anybody a pass. Even your boy? Uh yeah. Yeah. Your boy Will Answorth. I mean, yeah. Okay. Listen, I, I, like I've said, I, I think Will's done a great job during this particular thing of calling people out. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm having a harder and harder time giving people a pass when you see what's taking place. And, and if we put this in any other context, yeah. if we put this in any other, if, if you you tell me, well, yeah, he's a terrorist, but he doesn't believe the really bad stuff. He's just part of the terrorist group. Yeah, yeah, those guys are killing people, but he's only there because he likes the Bible study. I mean, no. I mean, you know what I mean? It would be uh, that nobody would accept that. Nobody would accept that nonsense. And I understand what what I'm saying. And I'm not comparing Republicans to terrorists. I'm just saying Mm. that if you're in that group there and you see these things happening at the top of this party here, at what point should we say, should we stop giving them a pass for, for what's going on because they, they believe that they're making more money off of this. Right. Or well, that they want a smaller government or whatever. I, I don't I don't give people a pass who I think are being complacent or compliant mm-hmm. or who are not speaking out, who are not even willing to acknowledge the problem. Um, but I do think that it's it's fair. Okay, you got somebody this is this is the way I look at life. You got somebody like a Mitt Romney in there. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with Mitt Romney on probably 90% of what he stands for. Mm-hmm. But I know that if I want, as an outsider, as a, as somebody who's you know, a liberal and a Democrat and all that other stuff, if I want to, I want to see somebody in the Republican Party who's challenging 
the status quo. Why? Because one, it needs to change. Mm -hmm. You know, the country is better if the Republican Party moves away from this this cultish, Trumpist, right wing extremism Mm -hmm. and moves a little bit closer to the center. The country's better for that. So I want to see that. So anybody who, for whatever reason, affiliates but can speak truth to power from the inside, great. Glad they're there. Glad that they're doing that. I think that benefits all of us. I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just, you know, it just is becoming harder uh, for me to say that, uh, well, you know, he, but he's a good, you know, it's, it's okay. Well, and, you know, it's not okay. It's not okay there. You know I mean? It's not, if you're, if, if you see this group of people who are doing bad things and we all, and, and you're saying yourself, these are bad things. Why are you part of that group? You know, why are you identifying yourself as that group? Because no matter what you say at this point, no matter what Mitt Romney says, mm-hmm. uh, the main identifier for him at this point is Republican. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how people identify him. Mm-hmm. He is a Republican senator, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so I, I just that's that's my point. I'm not necessarily saying that all of these people are bad people. Right. Uh, but you're the it, it seems as though they have put a premium more so on uh, personal advancement mm-hmm. that they have been able to then look at the benefits of that personal advancement and weigh them more heavily than what it is doing to other people. It's a, it's a, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you that this is a, this is a, a sort of a, a sticky wicket as, as folks used to say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's the reason what you're talking about is the reason why Joe Scarborough and and um, and George Will mm-hmm. and many other prominent conservatives and Republicans, uh, Steve, uh, the the guy who used to run McCain's campaign, uh, Steve, what's his name? Uh, they, you know, Nicole Wallace. All of these mm-hmm. prominent conservatives and Republicans have left the party for this very reason. Yeah, you know, because they they have reached a point where they just feel like I cannot endorse yeah. this foolishness anymore. Uh, uh, and so I think I applaud them as well. But I also accept the fact that there are going to be people who, for whatever reason, are going to stay. And and the only thing I would say that I would hope is that if they're going to stay there, that they would at least be able to say, have the courage and the clarity to say, what's going on is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. needs to change. Well, to me, it gets you back into a situation where uh, where we, we have agreed in the past that uh, you have all of these people in this state uh, who are in leadership positions who will, uh, you know, behind closed doors in their office or on the phone sometime say to you, yeah, listen, I, you know, this is crazy. But, you know, we're going to have to do it because that's what, you know, that's what people expect. You know, that's just what we're going to do. We can't, we can't, I'd love to pass Medicaid, uh, you know, yeah. expansion, but, uh, you know, we just can't, we can't do it right now. I don't, I don't you know, and, and that's what to me you get into is, is that sort of just absolute BS. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is, yeah. is 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 people doing things they know are wrong mm-hmm. because it appeases these people who they have intentionally misled and made more ignorant. 
uh, right. through their rhetoric over right. there over the course of the year. So now you've got this group of ignorant voters that you have to appease with more ignorant shit right. than, uh, than this, right. you know? Right. You know? I guess we'll have to bleep that out. That's fine. Well, it's a uh, podcast. Yeah. You really don't. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know, you, but, you spoke your heart. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I understand you know, why you said it. I yeah. mean, it's it's frustrating. Yeah. It's it, it makes us angry because ultimately these have real life implications yeah. for people. And that's what we're seeing, you know, again, going back to the the incompetence and the callousness and the and the casualness of the Trump administration when it comes to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the real world implications of that, which is people are getting sick. Yep. People are dying. People have lost jobs. You know, uh, and maybe some of that couldn't have been prevented, but they could have done a much, much, much better job of stemming the tide than they have done. (laughs) And more people are suffering because... Of what of the way they've yeah. approached this, thing. yeah, and I mean, you know, this is not blaming somebody for the virus. Okay? No, this no, is no. this is, but you do have a responsibility if you are in these positions right. to do these things. You had That's a response. Right. There's a reason we created these departments. There's a reason why we had a pandemic stockpile of things. There's a reason that all these things existed here, and you have utterly failed at every step along the way right. of, of of doing your job. You know, it's like Bill Belichick. Do your job. That's yep. every day, you That's know, and, and they haven't. And to, and it's right to come and criticize them. And don't tell me it's political. It's not. It's life or death. It's Literally. Right. Literally. All right. Since we wound up again. <laughs> uh, more heart medicine up. pills. You know, take uh, some more heart medicine. We got it. We got a pretty good note of the week this week. Though. We got a great one. Yeah. It's uh, as a matter of fact, I believe we have audio of this week's note of the week. That's uh, let's let's listen. COVID-19! COVID-19! I'm blow! The wind of God! The wind of God! On you! On you! You are destroyed forever! You are are destroyed forever! And you will never be back! And And you'll you'll never never be back! Pastor Kenneth Copeland. Uh, and if you couldn't tell what's going on there, my man was spitting the COVID-19 away, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Literally, my man was spitting the COVID-19 away. Uh, I, I, I don't. This is one of the craziest things. I, I've ever seen. I, I, I mean, literally, just why I, I don't know that I've seen anything crazy. Well, I've seen some crazy stuff from Kenneth Copeland before. He, uh, this, my man here is straight up nutso. But don't you uh, think he outdid himself this time? Oh, well, I think this one, this one was way up on the on the charts. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's probably at the, at the top of his charts. But he's he's had some other ones. His his interview about why he uh, uses the church funds for a for a private plane. Yeah, and all yeah that. I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just well, you know, he's flying with yeah. God, man, flying with God. So he said that, um, and this is after, um, you know, uh, I guess sermons where he has preached, and I don't follow him, you know, so I don't know what he what he really does other than what I the crazy stuff I read in the media, but it says that, um, you know, he's been saying that the pandemic will be over much sooner than you think, mm-hmm. and Christian people all over this country praying have overwhelmed it. And so then it culminates, apparently, this kind of rhetoric apparently culminates with this crazy demonstration where he, quote, summons the wind of God, unquote, and blows at the camera. I blow the wind of God on you. 
he blows the wind of God on you. You are destroyed forever, and you'll never be back. He blew into the camera. He spit, really, is what it looked like. In fact, in one in one uh, video that I saw, it looked like one of his guys was jumping away from him when he did <laughs> This fool saying he's blowing the wind of God. Uh, and, and listen... And and before you start thinking that that we've we've reached here for a right winger uh, and, and just pulled a pastor and, and believe that all televangelists are right wingers, so the the man the previous week said it was the hatred for Trump that brought yeah. on the coronavirus. Uh, yeah. He is uh, he, he is one of. Uh, uh, a self-proclaimed uh, Trump spiritual advisor, although I don't know that he's ever actually talked no, is this, to Trump. Is this that guy small? Uh, no, it's Copeland. It's Copeland. Oh no, Copeland. But I'm saying that you said the guy last week was that. Was that no, was... no, no. I'm, just, I'm saying that that last week this guy Copeland. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, said last week was, yeah. We're not. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're not reaching. Yeah, yeah. We're not yeah. reaching here. This is. Yeah. He is legitimately a right wing nut. Oh, and, there's uh, no doubt. Yeah, there's uh, no doubt. It's. Uh, it, it, uh, well, he preached a sermon about a month ago where he executed judgment. On COVID nineteen, wow. declared it finished and over. Declared how'd that go? Said the U.S. was healed and well again. Oh. And that was a month ago. So that was about a month ago, March, early March. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So how'd that how'd that turn out? Yeah, how'd that go? Did for that, us? that work yeah. out? Has that happened? You know, I, I don't. And I we, don't talk, we talked about so. a little bit about this before. So. I, I don't understand how these people are popular. I, I don't. I don't understand how this man has a private jet. I don't understand who's sending him money. I don't understand how that happens. You know, I, uh, John Oliver has has had a great segment. On televangelists uh, a couple of years back. I mean, it mm. really, really was. I mean, he mm. basically set up his own televangelism network at the, during the show, <laughs> uh, and it really was great. People should watch it. But it's uh, I, I don't. Uh, well, what's sad is you got people who are vulnerable. The, you know, to me, Kenneth Copeland is there's a small percentage, I think, of uh, of preachers and mm-hmm. pastors who are just really straight up, overtly, undeniably predators. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Copeland is in that category. So what is he doing? He's getting older people who are vulnerable, who who maybe who might be of diminished capacity or who might be more frail and fearful because of age you know you've got people who are poor Mm -hmm. you know and so he's he's and i think people who and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be blunt and candid i think there are a lot of people who um who who find a safety zone in the very rigid literalist kind of approach to the bible that that a lot of these televangelists and, espouse, and, and to just everyday life, Liter- yeah. literalist, yeah. Right, what's right in front of you. Sure, you know what it sounds a whole lot like. Sure, the Republican Party. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, really. It's, well, uh, I mean, I think there's. I mean, I think undeniably there's overlap. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think quantifiably mm-hmm. we can say there's overlap. There's no doubt about that. So the Venn diagram is yeah, is basically a circle. Everybody inside of it. Uh, you know, so I mean, I, I think yeah, we can't you can't deny it. I mean, there's there's a there, you know there's a there's a huge percentage. I would argue, and and I think that's what we're really saying here is that most of the people who would follow Kenneth Copeland probably are Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. You know, Copeland himself is a Trump supporter. 
mm-hmm. you know. So again, I think we, you know, you, you're saying, well, how does this happen? Why does this happen? It's because he's preying on vulnerable people. Yeah. That's why, you know, uh, plenty of us who go to church every week, whether we're liberal or conservative, will say, look at a guy doing what he's doing, and say that guy's a crook. He's mm-hmm. a charlatan. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, and I think we've already talked about those reasons, it's just, and it's painful. It's painful to see that because you're taking advantage of people who really are looking for answers and who need answers in life. Mm -hmm. And he's taking advantage of that. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think, again, just describe the Republican Party. Uh, But instead of uh, you're taking advantage of them, instead of actually giving them answers. But. Listen, that's gonna have to. It's gonna have to wrap us up for uh, for another week here. That was uh, I thought a pretty good show. Uh, you know, I, I thought Don Sigmund was was pretty good. Gave some good good interviews. And I think people yeah. will like to hear from him and and how he's doing and uh, know know that things are going better for him these days. And and I, I really like, I just want to reiterate again. I'm so glad to hear him talk about the corruption of prosecutors. Yeah. And uh, and the and of the system that enables them. I yeah. think that's really important. Oh, I do too. I do too. But uh, well, we like to. Uh, to thank uh, uh, Governor Siegelman coming on the show. I'd like to uh, thank uh, Chip Brownlee for putting this whole thing together. Chip. I mean, he's going to... You don't give Chip a lot to work with. <laughs> it's, uh, he makes uh, the magic happen, yes, baby. Yes, he does. I mean, we, we're forever grateful. So, listen, we're going we're gonna to slide out. We'll be back next week. Uh, I believe our guest next week is going to be uh, Representative uh, Terry Sewell. Oh, and, uh, the Congresswoman. So, yeah. Awesome. So, uh, we'll... Uh, We'll get her in here, get her uh, thoughts on what's about to say. It should be a good time to do that. They're about to push through uh, COVID-4, uh, a little stimulus package. And so maybe we can get her uh, thoughts on what's what's going down with that at that point. So, awesome. uh, But uh, thank you all guys for listening. We'll be back here in another week. Here's something that could really help us out. Wherever you choose to listen to this fine podcast, if you wouldn't mind going ahead and clicking subscribe, that would be great. Also, also very important, leave a rating and a review if you get a chance. You know, it doesn't have to be Shakespeare, just something. Make it funny. Be hilarious.